This is a Soulfire production. Well, hello and welcome back to the show, my beautiful friends. I'm pumped for today, y'all. This is going to be a good one. You definitely have heard of my guest today. She's kind of a BFD and we're talking about how to start a revolution, how she started a revolution, what you can learn about what it looks like to follow your heart, your gut, to create a connection between your career and a true cause. I'm just so excited for today. But before we get into today's interview, I'm just going to officially welcome you to the show. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Zweig, author of the number one best-selling book, Be a No Bullshit Guide to Increasing Your Self-Worth and Net Worth by Simply Being Yourself, and CEO and founder of the Simply Be Agency. We are a personal branding firm located in Chicago, Nashville, serving clients all around the world. And everything that we do within the book and within the agency is predicated on actually trademarked methodology that I've created on how to brand yourself because branding yourself is uh, complicated because people are complicated and brands at the same time are meant to be crystal clear and emotionally effective within less than 15 seconds. So how do we achieve that? Well, I created a method, I created a process and you can learn more on how to do it with us at the agency, simplybeagency.com, or you can go buy my book, Be and find it on Amazon. I've also got an incredible accompanying workbook to the book, B, the B workbook that takes you deeper into the methodology through exercises, journaling prompts, tools, examples. We've really decided at the business to what I call democratize personal branding because not everybody can afford an agency or needs an agency, but everybody definitely needs a personal brand. And so I decided to write a book on it and give it basically away, not for free, but for like 25 bucks. If you buy the book, it's 20 bucks for the workbook. And I often say that if you do the work cover to cover and you fill out all the pages and you read it, you will definitely have a brand. Absolutely. And so on the podcast, we talk about, of course, personal branding, business, entrepreneurship, leadership, PR, marketing, all the things that go into building a platform. We also talk about authenticity, spirituality, higher consciousness, a little bit of wellness, a little bit of plant medicine. We talk about star seeds. We talk about it all on the Simply Be podcast at this point. And every month on the podcast, we switch up a theme. We talk about a new intention. And in the month of October, we're talking about what it means to be the queen of your own world, your own reality. And queens serve the people. You know, queens are not only like sitting up on their throne looking beautiful and fresh and sparkly and knowing all their boundaries and sovereignty, <laughs> which is part of it for sure. And go on with your bad self. But queens are servants to their people. Queens are rulers of societies and civilizations and community that need leadership, that need a vision. And I wanted this month to bring on all of my favorite queens, <laughs> my queens that have been inspiring me for years, like my guest today. I had Taylor Simpson on last week, who's a queen I just met in the last year and a half, who's become a dear friend and a great inspiration. And I've got another queen coming for you next week, but Vani Hari. All right, y'all, let's just get down to it. Vani Hari, speaking of a queen, speaking of a personal brand, is somebody that I've been following, gosh, since 2014. I think I came about her during like the Marie Forleo B-School days and I just watched her rise. And today on the interview, she's going to take you inside of her own 
story of where she started, not at all as the food babe in food at all, was actually on the opposite spectrum, working in a, a corporate job, eating like shit and was feeling like shit and turned her own life around and then decided to turn the whole food industry around, which basically she's done. It's insane what she's done. And today we get a really amazing up close and personal look at the steps that she took to get there and what her life looks like today. So in case you didn't know who Vani Hari is, let me tell you. She's a revolutionary food activist, a New York Times bestselling author, and was named one of the most influential people on the internet by Time Magazine in 2015. Vani started foodbabe.com to spread information about what is really in the American food supply. This is why I love her. It's such a hoax, you guys. (laughs) What we deem as healthy and the things we're putting in our body, especially in this country. She teaches people how to make the right purchasing decisions at the grocery store, how to live an organic lifestyle, and how to travel healthfully around the world. The success of her writing and investigative work can be seen in the way that food companies have not only reacted to her uncanny ability to find and expose the truth, but to actually change their policies. Vani has influenced major food giants like Kraft, General Mills, Subway, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, and so many more. She's been featured in the New York Times, the Atlantic, Wall Street Journal, USA Today. She's appeared on Good Morning America, CBS News, NBC, Fox News, The Dr. Oz Show, CNN. She just started a brand new brand of her own called Truvani, a startup offering real food without added chemicals, products without toxins, and labels without lies. She just released a new book. It comes out today called The Food Babe Family, where she dispels popular myths about what it means to really feed your kids healthy food. She offers a hundred delicious recipes and really helps parents start children on a lifelong path of making good food decisions. And so we cover the gamut today. We really click into her career since I know so many of you are entrepreneurial, ambitious, career-driven women. And Vani's story is just one of those inspirational highlights in our space. I just really love what a badass she is, how matter of fact she is about her success, how clear she is on her mission. And, you know, one thing I really appreciated about this conversation is we talked about the dings, right? The judgments, the attacks, the haters. She went up against like the food industry, you guys. Yo, a trillion dollar industry. I think 11 companies run our entire food system. It's whack. And she faced them and they faced her back and it wasn't always fun. And she talks about what that was like today too. And I just want to share that as we head into the interview, that when you elevate into the vibration of a queen, when you really know your own value, when you hold your sovereignty, when you are unapologetic with your mission and who you are here to serve, you're going to get backlash potentially. You're going to ruffle feathers. Not everybody loves the queen. Some people think the queen's a bitch. (laughs) But if the queen is in alignment with all of those things, her mission, her people, her light, her truth, her sovereignty, her why, then they really do make the world a better place. And you shouldn't let the fear of what might come at you stop you. And Vani Hari is a walking manifestation of that. And so I just wanted to leave you with that as we head into today's conversation. 
because it was bomb, (laughs) badass and inspiring. So without further ado, here is my amazing interview with the food babe, Bonnie Hari. Bonnie, I'm so excited to have you on my show. Welcome to the Simply Be podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in because you have been someone I've been following for quite some time. And, you know, just think what you've built as far as your brand and your business and your platform and your now new company, Truvani's super impressive and what I have resonated with for a long time. But I, I really love what you have to say about food activism and your what you've done to sort of change policy in the space. And I want to go back to the beginning as to before you were the food babe, before you had this beautiful platform, all these beautiful books, what was the catalyst for you to use your voice to make change in the food industry? So I grew up as a very sick child. I was in and out of doctor's offices. I was on several prescription drugs. It felt like it took everything to control my eczema, my asthma, my allergies as a kid. I never felt really well in my skin. I always felt a little uncomfortable and that showed up in me not wanting to go to school, me not feeling great about myself. And in my early twenties is where it hit rock bottom, where I graduated college, got a great job out of school, working for a big six consulting firm where And I say, it's so funny. I always say big six consulting firm because back then it was like cool to be part of the big six. Now, like half of them are dismantled and I don't even know what's happening with the rest. So I don't even know why I say that anymore. But back then it was like a cool thing to get this job because you were going to be on an expense account. You were going to work with all these C-level executives right out of college. You were going to be flown all over the place to work in all these different offices. And And not to mention you get to be, you know, wined and dined with this lavish experience of, you know, not only staying in nice hotels, but you can whatever you want and and have all this money to spend. And so you just do it. And I was thrust into this lifestyle and Mm -hmm. I was, you know, outsourcing my food to the corporation, if you will, because they were catering in breakfast, lunch, and dinner, everything from you know, barbecue and, you know, banana pudding at lunchtime to Italian spreads of food with tiramisu at the end and like, you know, big, huge muffins for breakfast. And at night, if we had to work late, it was like donuts. So it was just Mm. all processed, really heavy, like, you know, not cooking from scratch food. And my body just started to shut down and I ended up with appendicitis in the hospital. And it was that moment that I was recovering from that surgery that I made a decision to make health my number one priority. And um, I started to channel kind of this, this learning that I had in high school where I was a debater and I was number one in my state three years in a row and got recruited to college to be in debate. And back then we didn't have Google. So we had to use a microfiche and like learn how to look at law journals and study them and photocopy them and take all of this, you know, these papers to each debate round. And so I did the same thing with my health and I started to check out large books about nutrition. I mean, books that were really super thick. Like one of the first ones was conscious eating by Gabriel Cousins. And this book went deep into the nutrition of food, but one of the concepts in there that really just hit my head, like a nail on the door head was the fact that the majority of foods in the grocery store are dead. Yep. They're not alive. They're dead. 
dead. And that's how I felt for most of my life, like a zombie, drugged out, not feeling well. And, you know, I grew up with two immigrant Indian parents that wanted to live the American lifestyle. They knew nothing about nutrition. So they didn't know what had been done to the food system. They really were very trusting of the food system. And because my mother was Indian and only knew how to cook Indian food, and I wanted to eat what everybody else was eating around me and I wanted to fit in, she relied on the hamburger helper, on the, um, you know, Betty Crocker and the Salisbury steak that you put in the microwave so that I could eat what, you know, my neighbors were eating and, you know, and all the processed junk food. And so it was a situation where I finally kind of woke up and said, I need to take control of my health. I need to feel better. And I started to teach myself. So one of the first things I did was I started to exercise, but also I started to like bring my breakfast, lunch and dinner to to work. And I started to pay attention to what I was eating. And I started to get into this like diet culture where I remember there was a cube mate of mine. She, she was doing weight watchers at the time and she was teaching me about the point system. And I was like, Oh, this is great. You know, she's like, yeah, you can go over to our boss's cubicle and eat one of those red vines. And it's only one point. And I was like, Oh, that's great. I can eat like a couple of those for dessert. And it's only a few points. Well, that didn't really work because when I found out the truth about food, which is you have to pay attention to the ingredients to really feel well and not be in this like yo-yo diet culture, then all of that started to unravel. And I started to learn about all the ingredients that are in a red vine, the red 40, the sugar, the other things, the corn syrups, the things that really wreak havoc on your, on your body and your liver that prevent you from losing fat and feeling really great. So I started to learn about real food and I started to adopt a diet of just shunning kind of all of these chemicals that I was eating and just eating real food. And things started to magically change for me. Not only did I get off nine prescription drugs, but I started to feel better than I've ever felt my life. I never had to diet ever again. I started to look like a different person to the point where my family members were like, whoa, what has happened to you? Wow, you look amazing. I need to do what you're doing. And it was that moment that I decided uh, to start Food Babe. It was really my friends and my family that were like, hey, we want you to start a blog. And I was never on social media prior to starting the blog. So I didn't even know really what a blog was or what, how to do it or anything. I just kind of figured it out. I majored in computer science, so I was good at computers. So I figured it out got on Facebook and got on Instagram. Well, eventually Instagram, but, and, and basically, you know, taught myself about blogging, started to share my recipes and what I was eating on a daily basis and why I was eating this way. And like all the different new recipes that I was discovering that were like super healthy. And then I started writing about like the things that like, I felt really duped about, you know, really like fast food that seemed healthier than it was things that like Chipotle or Chick-fil-A. And when I started writing about that is when I started to really gain a community, a community of people that also felt duped about fast food culture and diet culture and all of the things out there that we had been told that were healthy that weren't. Mm -hmm. And when I revealed like, for example, the hundred ingredients in a Chick-fil-A sandwich and like posted that on my blog, I would say I was probably one of the first bloggers to ever do that. I would say, yeah, I was the first one to ever do that and talk about the ingredients in there. It went so viral that the head of 
Chick-fil-A reached out to me and invited me to the headquarters at Chick-fil-A to talk to them about removing some of these ingredients. And it was that moment of like taking off work and like going to do that because I was still working in the corporate world. I was still trying to live this very unconventional lifestyle, working this like 60 to 70 hour job, traveling on the road. I mean, I was like packing my food on Sunday, doing meal prep and like putting it in a cooler and like rolling it through the airport with me and like doing all of that work, like in living, I feel like this very unconventional lifestyle in a very conventional environment where you're all of your cube mates are eating Subway and yeah. they're, you know, and they're, you know, going out for fast food or whatever big lavish dinners. And then you're specifically asking about, you know, the MSG and the soup or whatever. And you're kind of, you look like an outcast, if you will, because, you know, everyone around me was like, she's really concerned about what she's eating and health. And like, this is, you know, I became kind of like the health nut in my job. But then I started writing this blog and I found myself at work daydreaming about the next blog post and the next blog post and the next blog post. And I was making zero money doing food, babe. It was just for fun. I never even had my photo on foodbabe.com until I quit my job. And that was almost two years after I started it. And it was that moment, you know, when Chick-fil-A called that I was like, I have to take off work to go consult with one of the biggest fast food companies in the world. And they're going to actually listen to what I'm saying because- Like, why wouldn't they? And like, this is the coolest experience ever. Like, this is what I need to be doing. But I was really scared because I, again, grew up with immigrant Indian parents. You know, you get a job, you have a 401k, you get your health insurance and you stay in that steady job and you provide for your family. And that was kind of like what I was taught. And so to like quit my job, cold turkey was just very was just not a possibility to me. And I remember meeting actually my partner at Truvani, Derek Halpern, which is so crazy that we're partners today. Uh, I met him back then and he introduced me to some people online like Marie Forleo and Daniel Laporte and others that had, you know, built these online businesses and, you know, figured out how to do what they love and still make a living. And I remember reading Firestarter Sessions by Daniel Laporte and I was reading it on a trip. I was on top of Machu Picchu and I got an email saying my contract was ending at the bank. And if I wanted to renew my contract and I just like looked over at my husband and I said, no, don't want to do that. I just want to do food babe full time. What do you think? And I expected him to like be so upset or like worry about our finances or like, how are we going to pay the mortgage? Like any of that stuff. But he said like, what have you been waiting for? Like he knew that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so when I quit my job, I remember just being so scared out of my wits about making a living. Like I just want to make as much as I used to make is what I used to think. Like, you know, like I just want to make that much so that like, I feel like you know, I can like just, my lifestyle can be the same. I can afford my organic food. Like I can do these different things I want to do in my life. I want to travel, you know, whatever. And, and now I look back at that moment and I'm just like thinking how silly, how silly to think so small, Seriously, right? Just exactly. to think so small because you can really create just an amazing life for yourself. If you find your purpose and you go do it, because as soon as I opened up the the hours and the time and the energy to doing food activism full time. I mean, 
I was able to start petitions and gain a community that not only cared about their health, but they cared so much that they would sign petitions. They would meet me at the headquarters of these companies to go change them. I mean, we've gotten Kraft to remove artificial food dyes, Subway to remove chemicals from their bread and go go antibiotic free, Chick-fil-A, you know, went antibiotic free, Chipotle released their ingredients for the first time in history and were the first was the first fast food chain to go GMO free. You know, Starbucks removed so many different chemicals from their food as well as posting their ingredients for the first time in history, like creating transparency that we've never had in food before. And, you know, over 10 years ago now, when a lot of those changes were happening, um, you know, we didn't see the rise in organic food or see the rise in this awareness of, of ingredients. And now we have that. And it's like this amazing time to be alive because we have the most tremendous opportunity as people, as moms, dads, you know, human beings to tell people the truth about the food system. And it's one of the reasons why I wrote my latest book, Food Babe Family, because as a mom now, I feel like we as mothers, as fathers, we just have the most important role in our child's life to teach them how to be healthy. Because I believe if you can get healthy, literally anything is possible. Like I think back at the time when I was on the drugs and I felt really horrible as a child, I couldn't realize my true potential. Like I couldn't do what I really was supposed to be doing at that time in my life because my brain just wasn't working correctly. And now that I'm healthy and feeling great and like feeling better than I ever have, that's when all the opportunities presented themselves to really change the world and make a living for myself and be successful and gave me the opportunity to start companies like Truvani now that is like completely disrupting the protein powder and bar space by creating like the products with the least amount of unnecessary chemicals as possible. And we're creating literally the best things on the market that I've ever seen ever produced. I've had them. Well, girl, <laughs> congrats. Seriously. So inspiring. And I remember jumping on your train right around the Maria Forleo time. Like I was in B school and I think that's when I found you and I was witnessing you send out those petitions and, you know, face those big corporations. And I saw the movie, what the health a couple of years ago. I don't know if you know that movie. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And it, you know, it speaks to like veganism, not eating animals. And here's why I took away from that film. The ultimate sort of thesis for me from that movie was the food industry and the pharma industry profit trillions and trillions of dollars per year on our ignorance and on our sickness. And I, I really commend you because I know that that wasn't easy. Those changes that those organizations made, you came under fire. You know, being an activist is a risk and you really did put yourself out there. I, I thought about you like personally, I'm like, this is such a big, brave thing to do to face these big corporations and to hear that you've made those changes. I just, again, commend you and I guess people listening to my show are really, you know, driven, ambitious, entrepreneurial themselves, and they can hear a great story like yours and be super inspired. And I know that the path, you know, big corporations coming down on you for, you know, being too loud is an extreme situation, but we all face setbacks and criticism and hardships and people not understanding us or agreeing with us. So how did you handle that? What, when some of those darkest times as an activist, putting yourself out there and being, you know, openly criticized for it online. I remember seeing some of that. Yeah, that was a really difficult time period because 
it was at the height of my career, but it also was the very low too. It was the height and the low at the same time. And just to give you, to kind of paint the picture, my book had just come out. It was a New York times bestseller for several weeks in a row. Time magazine had named me one of the most influential people on the internet next to people like, you know, Jimmy Fallon and Kim Kardashian and Barack Obama, the president at the time, right. Out of, you know, it was like 30 people, you know, and I was one of them. It was just insane. Right. To think about that. And I was featured on every single major news network you could ever imagine. I had a regular gig on CNN that I would do news segments for. I was, I was called regularly by the news to do different pieces on food additives and ingredients. And at the same time, the food industry, specifically the chemical industry, found me as a threat because they're like, whoa, she's got way too much power now. She's got a New York Times bestseller. Time Magazine's recognizing her. She's being called by all these news agencies to be broadcast all over the, all over the, you know, airwaves. And, uh, and so they had a program actually at one of the biggest, largest chemical companies in the world, Monsanto, who's now owned by Bayer to create a PR campaign directed towards activists like myself. And they called it leave no comment left behind. So anytime there would be positive recognition about my work or what I was doing as a, as an activist, they would try to tear that down. So if a magazine had me on the cover they would go, for example, to Amazon and go to that Amazon rating of that magazine and try to drive it down from five stars to one by talking negatively about the fact that I was on the cover. Or they would go to my Wikipedia page because that was the first thing that would come up when people Google Vonnie Hari and they would negatively criticize me and use any criticism online to link back to that page so that people read the criticism first and not the accolades. Um, everything from my speeches trying to be shut down. I mean, I remember I was speaking at University of Hawaii and Hawaii is like kind of the testing ground for a lot of these chemicals that we use on our soil. And, and I was speaking at University of Hawaii and basically we had um, someone try to trick the ticketing system to make it look like it was sold out but it wasn't so that nobody could buy tickets to it. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, I had all sorts of things to, to the point where, you know, security had to show up at several speaking events, you know, it's, it's been, it's run the gamut, everything from that to, you know, very hurtful online comments, sure. death threats, rape threats, all kinds of things lodged at me to get me to try to stop what I was doing because the change was having a big multi-million, if not billion dollar impact on the food industry, removing these chemicals from like, for example, there was one chemical azodicarbonamide that was removed from Subway bread, but because of the widespread awareness of this chemical and why it shouldn't be in our food, every single bread manufacturer in America had to remove it. And so you can only imagine what that, monetary value of those changes, you know, it's probably in the billions of what kind of situation they had to change about their recipe, but also they had to find a new way to make evenly dispersed air bubbles in bread, which is what azodicarbonamide does because it does the same thing in yoga mats and shoe rubber, if you look at it sideways, right? And so this is an ingredient that like is banned all over the globe. If you get 
caught using it in Singapore, you get fined $450,000. You, you basically, it becomes heated. It turns into a carcinogen. And that's the reason why you don't want to eat it. But also the workers who use it, if they inhale it, they get like really bad asthma. So it's just a really hazardous chemical. It should not be in our bread. And so anyway, so the azodicarbonamide chemical company obviously went out of business because nobody was using it anymore or very little people were using it, right? And so, you know, there's these industries being impacted. Yes, we're eating healthier, but there's people that have those jobs that are making those chemicals. And there's the chemists that create those chemicals. And there's the scientists that are behind that. And they were upset with me. Of course. And so they would call me you know, pseudoscience, they would call me, oh, she's just a computer science major. She's not a nutritionist. You know, I've been called by one of the biggest <laughs> lobbyists there are for the chemical corporations. I've been called a bimbo. You know, I've been called all sorts of things. Like they found anything they could use online against me. Like I had a bikini photo that I was doing this, a beautiful yoga pose in. It's the one where you do like the back bend all the way. I forget the name of it. But it's wheel pose. It's wheel pose. I forget the long name of it, but it's wheel pose. And I was wearing a bikini because I was on the beach in Bali. And it was like one photo out of a million on my blog. And they like took that in every article that was written against me of like, look at her, like, look, look how she's selling this to the public. And I'm like, I'm not even using that in my, like at all. It was just like, I was sharing my vacation pictures because it was my blog, you know, and I'm into yoga. Yeah. So I mean, it was really disheartening. I remember there was an article written from, it was in Business Week and the, and the guy, the dude like comes and follows me for a whole day. Super nice guy, super nice writer, everything. But like he leads the article with like what I'm wearing and what I, what I look like when I answer the door. Like, and I'm just like, would they do that if it was a male activist? Like not in a million years. Right. So the misogyny that was like launched at me was just so intense and insane. And I didn't even recognize it at the time because I'm not one to get like super offended. I've just never been, I don't know. I just don't get offended. Like I'm one of those people that love to see both sides of an argument and love people from every genre. And like, you know, I'm just one of those type of people just, I've never been like gun ho one way or the other, other than health and food. But, but even if I were to meet someone who loved GMOs, I, I think I could still be friends with them. You know, actually I do have friends that love GMOs. <laughs> so, so they love MSG in their food and they eat Doritos and, you know, Cheez-Its. I mean, I can think of, uh, you know, really highly regarded, amazing individuals that I look up to and love. My husband like, loves GMOs. <laughs> right. like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. But, you know, so I was in this situation. I think I really painted the picture of how horrible it was. And so I was at the height of my career, but I was also at the very low emotionally. And it took a lot of courage for me to break through that. I remember having conversations with Gabrielle Bernstein, who was just an incredible guru to me, like just spiritual advisor. And she just had me really focus in on the bigger picture and why I was doing this and how I'm just like a vessel that I'm going to end up taking one for the team, that this mission is bigger than myself and that I need to focus on the willing, the people who are really wanting to hear this message and not the people that are trying to tear me down. And every time I spend time working or fighting the negative side of things, I'm losing time to help somebody and hearing that and just seeing that and having someone else kind of help me navigate that. I was able to really figure out what I needed to do in 2000. 
15 is when I turned off Google alerts Mm. so that I never knew when I was talked about on the internet ever again. And so it would never influence my work, whether it's good or bad. I didn't want to know it. Sometimes my team will send me something like, hey, do you want to respond to this kind of thing? And a lot of times I just play them the big Sean song that's like, I don't give a F about you. I have a million better things to do. Like that's what I do. I just like play that. And, and that's it. And so I just keep moving. And I don't know if that's the right PR strategy. You, you tell me from being the PR expert, but like a lot of times, you know, didn't fight or stick up for myself and I was regretting it initially, but some of it is such a distraction that really did take me away from what I needed to be doing. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love that you turned it off because I often say, I say this in my book, like your vibe attracts your tribe. And that's a cheeky quote, but I think it's a marketing term as much as it's a spiritual one. We're all just vibration, energy, and the more authentic and embodied we become and who we are meant to be in this life, the more we, two things happen. We attract, we magnetize more of that similar frequency and vibration, and we repel the mismatches. And those are people that are never going to follow you, buy you, recommend you, leave a nice Unfortunately for you, but it's also fortunate because it's amazing what you've you've gone through the fire. I'm listening to your story, I'm like, you know, all those critics, they were never going to be your people because they were critics and they came down on you clearly so hard and all of those threats and horrible things. And yet you're here still standing, you know, writing a book for how we can bring this to our families and create future generations of healthy, conscious humans. And you're building this beautiful business, Truvani, which I know is crushing it. And you're still so clear in your mission. And that to me is is the message and you know i'm i'm very spiritual myself i mean i'm on the path it's my biggest the biggest focus of my life more than pr and marketing branding frankly but i'm really here for the rise of, of the feminine right now and the the feminine frequency of leadership and coming back to a matriarchy where we honor nature and we honor each other and we honor ecology and and the seasons and all of it. And women were the leaders of that. And it's been so squashed by the patriarchy and everything you shared absolutely has to do with a big dose of misogyny. And you are really shifting the planet. Like that's what I think you're up to. You're creating a new earth so that our children's 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 can inherit a different world. And of course, a woman is up to the job. And I just think it's, it's very inspiring to hear, to hear all of your story. I mean, I've been following it from the periphery for quite some time, but to hear you speak about it directly is is really a moving. And, and I know that this, you know, time right now is really talking about that legacy, how we can raise our families with more consciousness, better food. I read that you cook most of your meals at home. I don't have kids. I have nephews and nieces and a a lot, a lot of children in my life, but I, I eat out a lot. I don't cook much. I order in and I was looking through some of your book and I'm like, a lot of these things I want to know, I think all people can benefit from what are the terrible ingredients we should be looking out for, how to better order at a restaurant, you know, how to make a green juice more attractive and, you know, yummy to drink. So I guess I want to start with, you know, what advice you have around how all of us can optimize a more nourishing lifestyle, you know, as, as people, whether we have kids or not. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think just has been the foundation of my health is learning how to cook. And when I was little, my dad did not want me anywhere near the stove. He was very upset anytime I went into the kitchen. And I 
found this to be like super tricky because I was like, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to be in the kitchen and and learn how to cook or anything. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, you know, I focused on the math and the science that they wanted me to focus on. And, and that was it. And so when I was in my twenties trying to figure this out, you know, I did it the old fashioned way. I started watching food network and watching cooking shows, you know, and looking at cooking recipes and all of that. And I taught myself how to cook. So, you know, I didn't even cook my first, first bowl of oatmeal until I met my husband at 22 years old. So you can only imagine just like, you know, I was, I did not know how to do anything. And my mom's like sitting there cooking from scratch using like every spice in the spice cabinet, like everything, every single day. And and her doing that, me not getting, I know underlying, I have the influence and um, the epigenetics from her doing that, because now that I know how to cook, it's like all I do and I'm teaching my kids. And like, it's so beautiful because my daughter took a cooking class this summer for camp and, you know, it just gave her so much confidence in the kitchen to the point where now she's making her own snacks. She's really wanting to help with every little thing. And it's just so awesome because the amount of learning that happens in the kitchen about food is tremendous from ingredients to how to prepare things. And I just can't even, I'm so excited about the fact that when she leaves this household, she's going to have some really great skills under her belt on how to take care of herself. Whereas I didn't, I didn't have any of that. I had to learn it all from scratch, even though it was happening right under my nose. And so I think that cooking is so important because when you outsource your food, to a restaurant or to a fast food chain, or even to a processed food that you warm up or, you know, use as a, as a kind of, you know, as a, as a fast food at home, I would think that almost every single time, every single time there are inflammatory oils that are being subsidized by this country. So soybean, corn, canola, cottonseed oil, All of those four are in a tremendous amount of our food, especially restaurant food, because it's really cheap to use those oils versus good fats like olive oil, coconut oil, grass-fed butter, ghee, avocado oil. So we have those kind of, we're being exposed to those all the time. And unfortunately, they cause inflammation. They turn on cancer cells in your body. There's a lot of really bad things about them. I mean, not to mention how they're processed. They're completely deodorized and bleached. And then they're extracted using chemicals like hexane, which is a carcinogen that the FDA doesn't regulate the amount that's in our food. And so, you know, there's all sorts of problems with those oils. And so that's one of the reasons I try to cook as much as I can at home. Of course, I eat out. Of course, I travel and go and enjoy restaurants. But the majority of time I'm trying to eat at home as much as possible. And I know I feel better when I do that too. Yeah. So when you do go out, I'm curious to know, how do you navigate a menu? Like what do you typically order? Or let's start at the restaurants. Like what type of restaurants do you choose? What do you definitely avoid? I would love to know. Kind of the, yeah, the I mean, I always tr- yeah. I always try to seek out the vegetables that they have on the menu you know, the salads, the sides, those kind of things. And I'll order those first. And this is how, how how I run the household too. So like in my book, Food Babe Family, I talk about how I serve my food in courses because that's really allowed my children to love vegetables and like try a lot of vegetables is I always serve vegetables first. 
And now there's all of this science that shows that when you eat vegetables first, it's actually really good for your digestion and your gut and your blood sugar levels. So it's, it's a win-win in terms of you're getting the health benefit from it. You're also getting the variety of vegetables because I'm making a different vegetable every single day. Oh. And in a few too. So my kids can choose which one they want to eat. Do you want to eat carrots today or do you want to eat zucchini today? Or do you want to have both, you know, like, and, and that way, you know, and, or sweet potatoes or, you know, broccoli or cauliflower or bok choy or cabbage. I mean, we had all those things just this week and it's only Wednesday, right? So, um, I'm making all sorts of vegetables and at every meal I'm making several at breakfast. We don't eat as many vegetables unless it's in like a green smoothie or like a hash, but or sometimes avocado in a smoothie too makes it in, but that's a fruit. But anyway, so it's mostly lunch and dinner that we're eating most of our vegetables, but it's always, it's vegetable heavy along with really good high quality protein. So I'll look on the menu for high quality protein. I'll try to usually go seafood Mm -hmm. is what I usually tend to order when we're out shrimp or uh, you know, lobster or, wow. you know, some type of fish. If they have wild salmon on the menu or some kind of fresh caught fish, I'll usually yeah. do that. You know, mahi, mahi, I love that. Um, so that's usually what I do, like the vegetables and the fish. And then, you know, a lot of times because we don't eat out a lot, that's like kind of my time to like not be so guarded and allow myself to have a little fun and it's okay to like eat. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not vegetarian. I'm not vegan. I'm not just paleo or whatever. I want to be able to eat everything, especially on my travels. Like, you know, we just got back from Switzerland and we were all eating fondue. And that was just like amazing. All this bread and cheese you know, it was great. And croissants for breakfast every morning. And it was just, it was fine. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a week there, right. It's not going to kill you. Right. But again, a lot of the ways that they make food in Europe is actually from a very holistic standpoint. They have good wheat that hasn't been crazy, glyphosate, you know, and they're using real butter, you know, and not margarine or some kind of soybean oil, you know, extractive. Actually, so when I I met Sonia, our mutual friend, it was in Croatia. This was pre-pandemic, but I was in Europe for two weeks. I ate every bread basket, three course meals, gelato on the snacks. Like I lost weight. I came home and I lost, not that it's about weight, but I was like, our country is just so backwards. And because of all of these unregulated or policies we have to allow for these kinds of ingredients. Sorry to cut you off. I just, it's such a true thing about Europe that you can eat that kind of food, not forever, but indulge in it and for it to actually not be so horrible for you. And we should live life. We should have, you know, we should have balance and have it all. Yeah. And usually when I eat that kind of food here in America for a whole week, if like I'm traveling in America, I just feel awful, but I never felt bad. I actually felt really good about everything I ate. It was just incredible. But uh, so, so yeah, so that's usually what I do. You know, my kids love French fries. So sometimes we'll order the French fries, you know, we'll splurge on that or whatever. You know, we love a good sorbet or gelato. So yeah. we'll get that for dessert. But, you know, again, when we're eating out, it's, it's once a week, it's twice a week, maybe max, right? right. It's not a lot out of the 21 meals that we have a week, we're probably eating two of those out possibly. Yeah. So it's not that many. And so we can enjoy a little bit and not, not look so deep. But again, when I am traveling and I'm traveling for a long time, because I do like to take my family on like extended trips so that I feel like I live there and like actually enjoy it since I can work from wherever, uh, 
you know, I will be more diligent in, in my choices. So. Well, I want to ask one last question about your book, because I know it's, it's really a book for families and, you know, moms who are families who are cooking at home for their kids. And you just mentioned cabbage and zucchini and carrots, and you're making these vegetables for your kids. And they're like, yay. So do you have, what's sort of the approach that you take to make those types of vegetables exciting for kids to eat? Do you have a method or the certain ingredients and seasoning you love? What are some of your favorite recipes around that? I'd love to know. So I include all my recipes. So there's a hundred new recipes in this book and they all have pictures and they have the techniques in there of how I make these vegetables because I, it's so funny. Like there was, I was at this really super fancy resort one time and I just wanted them to make like really good vegetables for my kids. And I just kept asking for vegetables and they would come out and they would steam them and they would still be hard and they would have no flavor, no salt, no butter, nothing on it. And it was just like, nobody would eat this. Like, this is just awful. Like, why, why are you even serving this? Like, no wonder my kids won't eat it. Like, it's just awful. It's like, it's like, you have to learn how to prepare vegetables for them to be like tasty. So one of my favorite, favorite dishes that I make all at least three or three times a week is roasted cauliflower. And all I do is chop up that cauliflower into florets, uh, toss it with organic extra virgin olive oil, sea salt and paprika. That simple. And I toss it all around 375 for 30 minutes. It just comes out so delicious. I could eat the whole pan wow. myself. And sometimes my daughter does. My daughter and my son fight over it. Wow. Like, and you'll hear them say back and forth, don't eat all the cauliflower. And like, it's hilarious. I wish I could get some of this on film. I'm going to try to do that actually. Cause it's just, it's a riot. Like, are you really fighting over cauliflower? They are. It's amazing. And, and it's, it's so good and it's so simple and so easy to make. Yeah. I'm going to get your book, even though I'm not a kid, because I don't cook well, and, I, I don't, and I feel like yeah, it's simplified at recipes. Yeah, you don't have to be a mom or or a kid to, to love this book. This book has so many delicious recipes sure. that will like make anybody a real food lover because everything tastes amazing. And all the like all of the things that you think you may not like, you may like them because you tried them out of this book because I've made it in a certain way to like make them very super tasty. Well, I love that you wrote it. I love that you're making this next book and chapter for you about about family and about legacy because you've created such amazing life life changes in your lifetime and and world changes, I should say. And this sets future generations up and moms to create conscious little people who love good, healthy food. So I'm I'm super here for it. And thank you for coming coming today. It was just so amazing to get to know you and to hear your story firsthand and I have one last question for you, which is the question that I ask every guest. The show is Simply Be. The business I run is called Simply Be. I have a little tattoo called Simply Be on my wrist. It's obviously a meaningful term to me, but I think it's a meaningful term in general. I think it has lots of layers. And so when you hear those two words, Simply Be, what do they mean to you, Bonnie? It means being as close to nature as possible. I love yeah. that. That's the, the true medicine. Yeah. Where it's all from. Thank you again. Where can people find you Buy the book, get involved in Truvani, like tell us all the things and we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get the book everywhere books are sold and you can get a signed copy if you want a signed copy at Park Road Books. So if you just Google Park Road Books, Food Babe Family or go to foodbabefamily.com, you can get that signed copy there. And then also 
can come over to foodbabe.com or truvani.com, T-R-U-V-A-N-I. That's my name, T-R-U-V-A-N-I.com to check out all of our amazing products. We have some delicious protein powders. We have two new flavors out, matcha and pumpkin spice. And we also have amazing bars that you would find the ingredients being that you would find in your own kitchen. So like you would never find any emulsifiers or natural flavors or added colors or any kind of weird ingredients or added sugar to these bars. So check those out too. And I can attest they are delicious. So something you should know, real quick fun (laughs) fact, I'm a member at this like private holistic health club here in Chicago. It's called Beyond. And they're very, very like, you know, selective, holistic, upscale, top of the line, everything that they do. It's a restaurant meets a health club, gym, spa, the whole thing. They have your bars now and tried one. I've tried a few actually. They're amazing. They're so, so delicious and you can tell how clean they are. So I can, uh, I can definitely retweet what Vani just said. Go, go check out Truvani and go check all the things that she does out. And thank you, truly like thank you for the work that you do in the world and for being the tip of the spear to make change for all of us who really, truly need it. And just been a joy to have you today. So thank you. Thank you. So nice to meet you. So good to meet you.